1: For me,
2: see, it's just a phenomenal way to meet people. It's a phenomenal way to network with people. It's a phenomenal way to have these kind of conversations and meet people like you because I don't think we would have met if not for podcasts, right? So it's a great way to expand your network. There there can't be like a direct correlation or you can't say that, you know, I got like so many lakhs or so many thousand rupees even though if I could say that that would be really nice. But you have so many of these softer, like, you know, intangible benefits that you can't really ascribe a value or a number to. But you know, it's really valuable. Because you know that these things really set you apart. When you go to a meeting, or you know, when you meet someone, they always say, Oh, yeah, you're that finance guy who has a podcast. And that 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 does it like you already got your return on investment there.
0: Welcome to the podcasting university. Looking for help on starting your own podcast? Then this is the place to be. We will help you with everything from selecting your topic to promoting and monetizing your podcast in the simplest language possible. Listen to other podcasters who've been through the grind and learn from them as we interview them every week. You can find more details on thepodcastinguniversity.com. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Podcasting University. This is Dilip, your host, and in this week's show, we have a very special guest who is an extremely passionate podcaster. Now, if you are a finance guy, then you're going to love the conversation this week because this week we have a finance professional who's passionate about his podcast, which is all about sharing stories about people's Passion. Naga Subramanya. Naga is one guy who had the courage to take a year off by quitting his job and doing what he always wanted to do in life. He is also part of a podcast advocacy outfit called O2Pod Collective where he organizes India's largest podcast meetups in Bangalore which is now online and has represented indie podcasters at national events like InfluencerCon, 2019, the Radio Festival 2020 and Audiocraft Online 2020. His show, The Passion People podcast is about the stories of people who follow their passion and make it manifest in tangible ways. The mission? To inspire more and more people to take steps towards living a more purposeful, passionate and meaningful life. But before we get on to the conversation with Naga, a quick word for our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Blue Microphones. If you're out shopping for a good microphone that can help take your podcast to the next level, then I would recommend checking out the amazing range of Blue Microphones. The Blue Yeti mic with its multiple recording settings is one of the most flexible mics you'll come across. The Blue Voice technology enables the Yeti to record audio with studio quality at home irrespective of what you use it for. It could be solo recordings, interviews or group recordings. The Blue Yeti can get it all done with ease. Blue microphones are now available in India on the Amazon website. You can also check out their amazing range of USB microphones by clicking the link in the description or by visiting www.community.hubopper.com. And now it's time for our conversation with Naga Subramanya, from the Passion People podcast. Hey Inaga, welcome to the show and thanks a lot for accepting the invite to be a part of the show and for talking to us about your journey through podcasts.
2: Thanks, Dilip. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I, I know that we uh, our first introduction has been through the uh, you know the podcasters meetup and since then there is a lot that we've spoken about uh, from podcasting's perspective. But then still, I want you to give us a brief so that The audience also knows uh, about Naga and about Passion People Podcast. And how did you get into podcasting? What does that put that seed of thought to start a podcast? So
2: the seed of thought of uh, starting a podcast for me was like way back, you know, maybe 10-15 years ago when I've always been fascinated with radio. And Mm -hmm. I've loved everything about radio. I I heard like a lot of radio. I listened to a lot of music. Uh, And uh, so that's where the seed or uh, the initial thought of wanting to do something like this was always there however uh, being a radio jockey was something that never panned out and that's also not something that I pursued actively so at at a later point of time I think back in 2016 this is when uh, uh, I think Ram uh, who ran a podcast called as Founders Gyan at that point of time when he interviewed me for his podcast and he did he interviewed it on zencaster itself if i remember correctly it was an earlier version of the product obviously so okay. the time when i spoke to him and i was like man this is this is something that i can do i can talk to people i can i can make a recording i can make a po- podcast out of it but boy was how wrong i was right but <laughs> you know that 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 was like the the thought was there like very much earlier but the push really came because a, i had the time and be someone else did it and I was like, oh, it, I, I felt like it's not going to be uh, too much of a uh, complication or it's not going to be too much of work. But in hindsight, I, I know that I at least take like four to six hours every episode. So podcasting is a lot of work. So whoever thinks okay. that, you know, they can get into podcasting because it's easy or it's it's not m- too much work, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's kind of like the thing that pushed me into podcasting. It was... My interview for another podcast called Founders Gan, where I was on the show with like a couple of other folks, and then from nice. there I was I was on a gap year at that point of time. I was taking a career from my uh, profession uh, as a uh, as a finance professional. So at that time I was meeting a lot of interesting people. I was talking to people, and I realized that there's a certain charm, there's a certain power, there's a certain mm-hmm. you know. Uh, a certain spark that that you meet in the people or that you see in the people that you come across. And Mm -hmm. I realized that the more I traveled, the more people I met, the way I looked at the world started to change. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, you know, this is an amazing way to bring about change in the way that people perceive things, people look at things, so that Mm -hmm. I can get conversations of people who are doing pretty cool interesting things in their life and so that people okay. can listen to it and get inspired and you know maybe try doing something like that by themselves so that's where the passion people podcast came into being
0: okay so as in when you uh it, it was mere interest because of which you uh you know chose this topic or maybe this as in this niche that you want to get into or was there something else also that went into it as in uh some interest that you saw from people who uh, might be interested in listening to these kind of conversations, or was it just just your uh, interest into into the, as in understanding these kind of people more?
2: I think uh, I wish I had the kind of uh, uh, you know sophisticated thinking that that you're mentioning right now. Right? Is it about sizing up the market or thinking about who is my target listener and all that? But unfortunately, okay. I didn't do any of that. What I did was, I. I I really purely went with my own experiences where I felt that I heard someone, I got inspired. Mm -hmm. If I take these stories to other people, maybe they will get inspired too. Like that was like the basic uh, thought process behind it. And the reason that I took up passion was because I always felt like in India, we are all very reserved. We're very conservative. We're always encouraged to do the safe thing. And we're never really encouraged to do things that are a little bit outlandish or do things that are a little bit out of the ordinary. So I thought that this is a nice way to tell people that, see, here are examples of so many other people who are doing so many unconventional things and still doing so well in life. So Mm -hmm. here, take a page out of their book and maybe you can also try doing something like that and kind of get out of that conservative mindset.
0: Great. Okay. That's that's an interesting thought and see as in while uh, it might just have uh, as in you you probably uh, picked out a niche that anyways has a lot of interest and in spite of you not doing any kind of market research or anything but I think uh, you know if you if I look at it from the way you started off picking that niche I think that itself is a kind of an indirect market research because you had an interest and uh, you've seen people venturing into different kind of passions in addition to whatever they were doing you can call it a side hustle or maybe whatever but uh, you know there you you found that there was a set of people who were taking that unconventional route and uh, you thought of bringing that to a new audience who might be able to learn from that so I think indirectly uh, that that's a uh, market research in itself isn't it I guess so right <laughs> okay so uh, on that while we're on that topic I just wanted to check or ask you uh, uh, you know about one very important piece that anybody who starts off with anything that is that can be termed as a side hustle face with so I understand you're managing this along with a full-time job now Uh, when you're doing that, what are the things that you keep in mind? And how do you manage both of these things?
2: So the short answer is that I don't manage both of these things. I do both of them badly. (laughs) But (laughs) Like now, now that I'm trying to get back on, uh, you know, track in terms of releasing episodes more regularly. And we have like season three of the Passion People podcast coming up in a couple of weeks, or by the time this episode goes live, I'm I'm sure the third season will be live. Mm -hmm. It's just about making a routine, right? It's about making a habit, making a routine and saying that every day I will spend 15 to 20 minutes on the podcast, no matter what. And that's okay. how the day goes. And slowly, slowly, once you make up your mind and you sit sit down and say, you know, I'm going to get this done, no matter what. It, mm-hmm. it happens. But it's about you taking out the time and saying that I will create this routine during this routine. This is the kind of outcome that I expect. This is how much time I'm going to spend on it. So that You're not really um, putting in so much effort in terms of decisions or, you know, you don't really have to work your brain to do this work. It's now a process. You wake up, you do all of your regular things. And before starting work, spend 15-20 minutes on the podcast. It's Mm light, but at the same time, it gets the work done because then you get at least like a couple of hours in every week.
0: Hmm right while you're calling yourself uh as in you're saying that you're doing a bad job with both you were doing a bad job with both but i think with almost 73 episodes 73 74 episodes and uh <clears throat> with the kind of interesting conversation that you have had i think you've done fantastically well from a podcasting perspective but i think from a uh job uh aspect i think uh you know you you are a better person to kind of uh you know evaluate yourself but i'm sure you would have done a good job there as well. <laughs> so uh, now we spoke. You spoke about season three, Naga. So uh, you know, I happen to listen to that teaser that you've uh, you know uh, broadcasted on season three. Uh-huh. So tell me, how has your show evolved over the the last, I think, two to three years, two years, and what's new with season three?
2: It's an interesting question, and I think over the last three years, right, it's. Uh, it's three years because december 16 is when i started and i can't mm-hmm. believe that by december 20 we're going to be like four years of the passion people podcast the initial right. initial for the first season itself was just just about you know who can i get to talk to who can i who can i talk who's an interesting person right that it was just about getting someone who fits the premise of the show fortunately mm-hmm. i understood the importance of having a A premise and not making sure that it's not like a very general or a meandering conversation. Because your audience comes to listen to something for a reason. And they want Mm -hmm. that sense of predictability. So that is one thing. So the thing that has stayed the same over the last years is the underlying premise. What has changed is the focus. Like The first season, interviews were purely in-person. And Mm -hmm. I was only talking to people who were part of my first circle of my network. As part of the second season, I expanded into, like, I we started getting interest from outside where they said, you know, I want to, I want to be on the show. I want to, you know, can you get me on the show? So we expanded the horizon a little bit. We played around with like bonus episodes and uh, we, we did specials, we did crossovers. So I experimented a lot more in season two. And mm-hmm. the other thing that happened with season two was that I shifted completely online. Okay. where interviews were completely in person physical for the first season and like a part of the second season but towards the later parts of the second season it's completely online so interviews were done online interviews were done remotely so this also opened up like a plethora of guests who were never possibility earlier because i couldn't right. meet them so i had hmm. now international guests
0: right
2: so that was a that was a key defining uh, shift that happened in terms of getting the guests, getting the focus of the geography where they're from and for season 3 we're taking the best parts of all of this, we're taking more international guests we're taking conversations about people who follow their passion but we're driving it in a certain direction and that direction is money we all need resources to survive and not only to survive but also to thrive right so season 3 of the Passion People podcast will now focus on The creator economy which is like a rage in terms of a topic right now and we are going to focus on how people who follow their passion make it manifest in a particular way and can make a living out of it what are the tools that they use what are the business strategies that they use what are they doing in order to get themselves ready and how are they doing all this this in the context of COVID-19 which is the new world that we're living in currently Mm.
0: okay Sounds interesting. So season three is going to talk uh, as in going to be something where a lot of money is going to be spoken about. So I'm sure <laughs> it will be interesting, <laughs> even from a podcasting perspective, because you know, there is a lot of uh, questions around uh, how to monetize podcasts. Because you know, there are a couple of uh, discovery sessions that I had with a few people. The first question that come uh, in is that, you know, if I am to start a podcast, is there a way I'll be able to monetize that? So I'm sure a lot of these uh, money monetization uh, things that are going to be there in season three will be interest to a lot of people.
2: Yep, that's uh, let's hope for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Uh, so is there any specific podcast that you listen to or uh, you like uh, listening to?
2: So one of the podcasts that I really really love listening to, and uh, I need to thank Vishnu from uh, the Writer and Geek Show for introducing me to the show, is uh, a show called Darknet Diaries. So, okay, Darknet Diaries are is about uh, uh, the stories from the dark side of the internet. So he talks. Uh, so the host Jack Resider talks about you know a particular manufacturing plant getting hacked remotely, or he talks about you know uh, some uh, some kind of a big hack that happened. Or he talks about mm-hmm. like a big uh, security incident that happened, and they break it down and they explain it to you. It okay. and the level and depth of the research that is done, and the kind of people that he has the conversations with, is something that really resonates with me. And I really am a big fan of the show. The okay, other that's... shows, the other show that I listen to is um, uh, the A sixteen Z podcast, which is from um, the VC fund Andreessen Horowitz. So mm-hmm. they they talk about uh, technology, they talk about startups, they talk about finance, they also talk about the creator economy. So that's that's a really interesting one. And then um, then there's Indian Noir, uh, then there's uh, Taste of India that uh, Pooja, your wife, does. So like or like a bunch of these podcasts are what I typically <laughs> listen to.
0: Nice. Darknet there is something is something that sounds interesting. I might want to tune into that because. As in what, uh, what, what you spoke about that podcast kind of interests me as well. Anyways, thanks for all of that. So, uh, Naga, now coming on to, uh, you know, your show, uh, a, a few things that I would like to know from, uh, how you organize or how you plan your show. So, uh, and I happen to listen to a few of these episodes in season two now. And you also said a little while back, that you've uh, had some international guests coming on your show. So you know, how do you decide on your guests and how do you approach them? Is there some kind of a, a website or is there some kind of a, some people that you know? What is the kind of outreach that you uh, do to reach out to these guests?
2: So there are two things, right? First first thing is, how, how do you screen guests, right? That's mm-hmm. the first part of the question. Yeah, am I right? Right. So, in terms of screening the guests, I I only look for two things. The first thing that I look for is that they need to fit into the premise of the show. Okay. The premise of the show is people who are passionate about something. Now, Mm -hmm. I have people reaching out to me on Facebook and saying that, you know, I'm this, this, this. I'm a leadership consultant. I'm this, this. But not for one word. They don't tell me why they think they're a good fit for the show. Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. All I'm looking for is them telling me XYZ is my passion. ABC is how I'm making it manifest. That's all I want. I don't want anything else. Okay. That is the mm. first part. The second part is whether they can articulate themselves, they can express themselves in a clear manner that will connect with the audience. Okay. Now, it doesn't matter if the individual is like the most passionate something, but if they can't mm. talk, if they are unable to connect with the audience, if they, if they don't have the... Uh, ability to make that conversation happen, then it it, it doesn't really work out. Right. So these are the very, uh, two very basic kind of filtering criteria that uh, I use to uh, get people on the show. Okay. Now, in terms of the second question of how I actually find guests, it's a combination of multiple things. It's a combination of asking existing guests whether they know anyone that they can refer for the show. It's a, a factor of my network it's a factor of people uh, reading about the passion people podcast in like different different places and them reaching out saying that i want to be on the show so okay. these are typically like the top 3 ways that people reach out or i reach out to my guests wh- who come to the show and obviously it really helps that uh, we are part of the podcasting community and everyone knows each other and mm-hmm. we all know the kind of shows that we do the kind of podcast that we run so Obviously, our uh, you know, our podcaster friends also help out saying that, you know, right. I know this really interesting person, you should interview her, you should interview
0: him. You know, there are a lot of uh, mediums that are available today, like, you know, matchmaker.fm, where you know, they basically connect podcasters to uh, guests who might want to be on that show. So uh, that's primarily why I wanted to check with you on as in how do you reach out to guests and uh, screen them? Uh, before deciding if they should be a guest on your podcast so you know the method that you said uh, you know it ensures that you're maintaining quality and uh, you know as in you are able to keep audience's interest uh, you know in mind or alive absolutely right? and just to your point
2: on quality right the other thing that i i used to do and in some cases i do now as well is that i always make sure that there is a very strong set of what is the broad structure of the show or mm-hmm. we do like a pre-interview to s- discuss and agree upon what are we going to discuss on okay mm. and that that goes a long way in making sure that the conversation goes in the right direction
0: right it's better control over what is uh, being spoken about right okay it's a good point uh and uh you know when you decide and after you've decided your guess how do you go about structuring the interview as in is it something that you have, uh, you know, as a a framework, or is it something that you just, uh, you know, have maybe a few pointers and then it's all uh, impromptu?
2: So it is a couple of pointers and uh, mostly it's impromptu. However, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it all comes back to the same thing. It comes back to: Are we talking about the premise of the show? Now, with season three, I I want to continuously keep asking for myself: Are we connecting this to the focus of the season? Right. So. Okay. It, it needs to keep coming back to these two things. Now, in addition to that, the one thing that I always ensure that I tell my guests to give them some amount of comfort and also to give myself some amount of comfort is to tell them that think of this as a conversation with a friend. right? This is not like yeah. a, don't get too jittery or don't get too nervous about saying, oh, I'm on a recorded show and all of that stuff. But just think of this just as someone you're having coffee with and you're just having a casual conversation with and okay. okay so that that's the kind of feel that uh i i, I try for not i no. i don't think that we do it all the time but th- that's at least what we, we try to achieve so that the listeners also get the feeling that you know it's a little laid back it's it's easy going it's a, interesting conversation talking about a lot of different things but at the same time it's very laid back it's very relaxed it's you know it has a very calm um mm. uh, underlying tone
0: right and that that brings out the best from the guests as well correct right uh so as in uh do you get feedback from your listeners or is there as in is there a structured format in which you try to gather feedback surveys or anything that you do or uh it's just social media uh feedback that you get i, I wish i had uh, feedback from my listeners but uh,
2: apart from like a few emails here and there or you know a couple of messages here and there like it's predominantly just social media there's no other structure to it
0: okay fine uh and how do you promote your podcast because i i see that you've had extremely good listenership and uh, there is an audience who's really interested in listening to what uh, passion people podcast has in store the next week so how do you how did you promote your podcast initially is there uh, any specific mechanism that you follow Is there any agencies that you work with? How do you do that?
2: So no, there's no specific uh, agency or anything that uh, I work with. I guess uh, I would attribute the um, reach also to the community, right? Because since we do these community events, since we do all of these community engagement initiatives, the, the first thing that, you know, anyone who's writing about this also asks us is that, what do you do? And the moment we tell them that, you know, I have a podcast of my own or Okay. Seth, who's who's also a part of Autopod Collective, tells that you know he runs the Musafir Stories. Like that's one of the ways that we get exposure. So that's one thing. The second thing is that uh, I also uh, you know make sure that I'm always helping somebody out, right? So when okay. when you're helping someone out, you are you can always have some amount of leeway to ask them that, hey, can you leave a rating for the show? Can you leave a review for the show? So whoever I talk to, whoever I see, I tell okay. them that I run the show. And can you give leave me a rating? Okay, so mm. the the rating kind of becomes like a self fulfilling prophecy, right? So people see there they see that oh it's well rated on Apple Podcasts, it must be good. Okay. And if it's not, and if I don't keep up the quality, then automatically like people in general will also leave bad reviews saying that you know this episode is like really horrible. And that has happened mm. to us.
0: Yeah, at times even uh, you know some of these negative feedback that you get also helps one in terms of improving the the overall uh, quality of the show. Second, it also, as in, uh, you know, for me, as in, for example, when I uh, look at some of these shows on uh, Apple Podcasts, when I see a negative uh, review there, you know, I'm a little inquisitive to go and check as to why is it that somebody has rated it uh, negative and to see if, as in that episode, is really negative or is it just somebody's perspective about it. And there are a couple of shows where, you know, that negative feedback has actually generated that interest in me and I started listening to that for, uh, that podcast. For example, there is a photography podcast. So that is how I started listening to that uh, podcast. So I'm sure to some extent, uh, the negative reviews will also help. But yeah, like what you said, the reviews are something that uh, you know, actually gives credibility to that show on whatever uh, medium it is available.
2: Yep, absolutely. Uh, one thing is the reviews uh, and in case like uh, reviews, ratings, anything that helps improve the discoverability and another part that i did not mention earlier is that a lot of podcasting apps ask you whether they can promote you for example zencaster had sent, uh, sent out an email to everyone saying let us promote your podcast but you should say mm-hmm. something nice about zencaster so i took that opportunity and i wrote saying that you know this is why i love zencaster and this is why you need to promote my show so I don't leave any opportunity in terms of a whether it's a hosting platform where the podcast can be available, and mm-hmm. B where the hosting platform has directly given us like an outreach or a contact form where they say right.
0: reach out to us to get featured. I've always done that. Okay, well that's that's nice. And you know, to your point on the community engagement, I think that is something that I keep telling uh, you know some of these people who reach out to me for understanding as in as a discovery call. So you know, I think. Even when it comes to the Taste of India podcast, I've seen that that community that we've built around podcasting has helped a lot of us in terms of promoting our shows and in terms of growing our understanding about podcast and pro- as in producing better content for our audience. So overall, I think that that community has done a fantastic job.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's, there's no other uh, way, right? You have to give, keep giving, keep giving, keep giving. Keep giving. You realize that at some point of time, you've also got a lot back from the community. That's true.
0: Coming on back to your show, uh, when you started off, what was the setup that you started off with? And what is your recording setup today?
2: So when I started off, uh, it was uh, just my phone. It was a phone that used to record both of our conversations. Okay. After a couple of months, I got like a Rode uh, SmartLav Plus, which is a lavalier condenser microphone. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever I used to go meet someone, I used, I used to take that uh, uh, condenser microphone connected to the phone, and then we used to have a conversation. Okay. Now, nice. since it's completely remote, I I have like a ATR twenty one hundred USB microphone that connects to my computer. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's been my setup.
0: That's that's the best setup for uh, you know any podcaster. So you know I'm a little curious about uh, the first. Part that you said, and uh, a little while back when you were speaking about season one, you said that most of them were personal conversations. So when you say personal conversations, uh, was it something that you you know maybe scheduled with your guests saying that okay let's meet at this place and then we'll talk, or uh, you just met somebody and then you spoke to them and uh, you know they agreed uh, for a recording and then you know you maybe found a place where you could start your recording and then you did it. So how were you doing that when when you said personal personal recordings audio how did you do that
2: so it was a combination of all of this right in in some in some cases i met some people i found them really interesting and i told them hey uh, do you want to be on the show and then he, they said yes and then we just found a place and we recorded in in mm-hmm. some in some cases it was more about uh, it was a scheduled conversation there was a lot of back and forth and this is one of the reasons that uh, doing these things remotely really helped because you're not really worried about commute. You're not worried about how far the person is living in and you know how long you're going to take. Because given that entire pre-interview process that I mentioned, my the time I used to spend with my guest itself used to be like half a day because I really wanted to understand them. I wanted to get comfortable. So I used to either meet them in like a coffee shop or their place or I would ask them if they're comfortable coming home. And that's
0: how the thing would happen. Okay. As in when you did in-person recordings... How did you manage with all of the background noise and, uh, you know, all of the disturbance? So uh, how much time did you spend editing these kind of episodes? Like
2: phenomenal amount of time. And here's the thing, right? Because we're recording in India, we're blessed with background noise, whether it's that dog or whether it's a cat <laughs> or whether it's, uh, you know, some random kids running around or just traffic. We have an extremely noisy environment and that's always been a struggle. And it's one of the big reasons why if anyone asks me, uh what kind of microphone they should buy i always tell them that please buy a dynamic microphone right <laughs> because it does not pick up all of the audio like a condenser mm-hmm. microphone does so unless you have like a proper studio setup please buy a dynamic microphone and do yourself and your guest a huge favor.
0: Right, I completely agree on that piece. Some interesting points. Now, uh, you just mentioned about, uh, you know, the time amount of time that you were spending researching. So I want to understand it a little more. So when you've narrowed in on a guest that you want to bring on your show, what kind of research do you go do uh, by as in from a background perspective or what are the things that they do? What is it that you want to bring out of them that your audience would like to listen so what is the kind of research that you would
2: do? honestly there, there would be no research the research would be done when i'm already met the person right so okay when i say research research again goes back to fitting in the two criterias right. does this conversation and the individual fit into the premise of the show are they articulate enough any okay. any further research would be limited to saying that okay this person does xyz do mm-hmm. i what all do i know about xyz and what are the challenges that they would have about xyz so that's about it mm-hmm. but once that part of the initial whatever fit for the episode has been established it's more about talking to the person really understanding their story really understanding what what are the layers of uh, thought that they are carrying with themselves what are the way that they thought what are the difficulties that they faced how they overcame it and finally just like jotting all of those things down to make sure that you're able to get the best parts of that conversation out to make sure that the people who are listening have some amount of value from it
0: mm. Oh, interesting as in that that sounds as if you try to uh, l- as in you let the guests talk more about them and bring out uh the things that you want your audience to listen as in you let the guests do that instead of you maybe channeling the conversation to a specific uh you know agenda if i am to put it that way maybe An agenda that you already have in place. It's it's a very nice way to kind of get the best out of your guests. So we spoke about your podcast, your full-time job. What is your long-term outlook about your podcast? Do you plan to make it full-time or do you plan to keep it only a hobby?
2: Honestly, uh, I don't really have like a very clear answer about that. But for at least the foreseeable future, I don't don't see this becoming a full-time endeavor. Uh, predominantly due to the monetization challenge that we have with podcasting, right? So mm. un- unless the uh, the podcasting pays as much as uh, the full-time job or more, I-, I don't see that happening anytime soon. In terms of my uh, long-term outlook with the podcast, for me, see, it's just a phenomenal way to meet people. It's a phenomenal mm. way to network with people. It's a phenomenal way to have these kind of conversations and meet people like you because I don't think we would have met if not for podcasts. right? Right. So it's a great way to expand your network. And you won't believe the reason I have my current job is because I I told my hiring manager that I believe in the power of communities. I believe in being a part of a group of people who have a common goal. Okay. And that's the reason I got this current job. So I'm part of a company that's called Airmeet. And they help bring intimacy of Physical meetups to online meetups, digital events, virtual conferences. And one of the reasons that I told him that I want to join is because I've been part of this podcasters community over the last couple of years. And I know the kind of value it has added to my life. And I want more and more people to be part of more communities, meaningful communities where they can get something out of it. And Airmate is providing a platform where people can do that and take their community engagement to the next level. Okay, nice. So, in that way, I guess it all of it kind of converges in in one place, right? So, mm. if I was not doing this, I don't think I would have got this opportunity. And lastly, it's a great way to set yourself apart from the crowd.
0: Right?
2: How many chartered accountants do you know who run a podcast?
0: <laughs> I agree. Right. So,
2: while there there can't be a, like a direct correlation, or you can't say that you know I got like so many lakhs or so many thousand rupees, even though. If I could say that, that would be really nice. But you, you have so many of these softer, like, you know, intangible benefits that you can't really ascribe a value or a number to. But you know, it's really valuable. Because right. you know that these things really set you apart. When you go to a meeting or, you know, when you meet someone, they always say, oh, yeah, you're that finance guy who has a podcast. And that, that, that does it like you already got your return on investment there.
0: Right. <laughs> I I can agree considering that I'm also from the financing background. So, you know, I can certainly relate to what you mean. So I I understand that perspective of, uh, you know, podcast. As in today, it's in a very beginner stage where we cannot even talk about uh, monetizing podcasts in India. Uh, And while you're doing it uh, purely as a passion or as a hobby, like what you're doing and like what a lot of us are doing. You know, there are times when uh, you kind of uh, feel a little, you know, you're not kind of doing as in maybe next week, uh, if, if I'm supposed to release an episode, I just, you know, push it out because I'm not really in that. There is nothing that is motivating me to go and do it. So how, as in what, what do you do to maybe give yourself that push to go and do uh, a show or record your episode and you know, how do you stay motivated with doing what you want to do?
2: So that's always been a challenge, right? And that's the reason why, even though uh, we've been around for almost four years now, there's only seventy four episodes. So motivation is a big challenge. The second, right. the the second thing that comes to mind about you know how how I keep myself going is I listen to these episodes, or in some cases, someone you you're talking to, or someone who might be listening to the show, they just randomly ask you, "Hey, when is the next episode coming out?" and that's really what all you need. You, you just really need just one person ask you, hey, how's the podcast doing? Or what are you doing with the show? Why aren't why aren't any new episodes coming? And then okay. you kind of get back that motivation to get back on that horse and start doing things again. Hmm. The other thing I realized is that I can't really do everything myself, which is why we're now part of the Epilogue Media Network. Right? It doesn't really okay. make sense for me to run this as a solopreneur anymore. I need mm-hmm. help. I need help with marketing. I need help with hosting. I need help with strategy. I need someone to have like a dunda and say, you know, I'm gonna vacuum if you don't release the next episode.
0: <laughs> right. A kick.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> uh, all of these things now, you know, are coming into place because you know I now work with Rohan and team at the Epilogue uh, uh, Network, and they help me stay on course. They they help me course correct. They help me bounce ideas. They tell me, you know, maybe you want to think about this. Maybe you want to think about this. They're they giving me the tools to make the podcast a little bit more structured. So all of these things help because that's one thing less that you need to think about. And that's one thing that someone else is helping you. So it mm-hmm. also helps motivate you to say that, you know, once you start, you at least don't have to do all of the work.
0: Right. Right. I can understand. As after the recording, the editing and post-processing, all of that, you, you do it yourself or... Uh, you're taking help?
2: Right now, everything is me, right? So from scheduling the interview, identifying the guests, handling the social media handles of the Passion People podcast, uh, reaching out to people, uh, doing the interview, editing, post-processing, everything is me. Everything after the post-processing and after the episode is ready is what uh, the Epilogue
0: media team will take care of.
2: The hosting, Mm -hmm. distribution, monetization, Cross promotion, all of these things,
0: right? And I've seen some of these uh, networks, as in even if it is uh, Audio Boom earlier, and you've mentioned about Epilogue Media, uh, for that matter, hub opera So uh, something positive that I've seen with all of these networks coming into the, this this podcasting industry is that it is helping a lot of people like us uh, in promoting our podcast and in distributing because. If I were to go and manually distribute my podcast to all of these, uh, you know, podcasting channels or podcasting platforms, then uh, it would be a, a humongous task for me to do it, which I think is being taken care of by these media networks. And that's that's one big uh, support for the podcasters in India, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So one last thing that I wanted to ask you uh, before I let you go. So for anybody starting off a podcast today, and now I'm as in. All of us started almost about two, three years back when, you know, a lot of people in India hadn't even heard about uh, podcast and didn't even know what podcasts were. But today, I think uh, the term podcast is much more known. A lot of people know what podcasts are. So if I am to ask you today, if somebody wants to start a podcast, what are three things that you would uh, suggest or you would advise them that they need to keep in mind? Before starting off.
2: The first thing is that have a long-term vision and outlook. Nothing is going to happen in the next three, six, nine months. You need to stay consistent, release episodes, get feedback and get better. And only then will you start seeing something happen. That's the first thing. So have a long-term outlook. Long-term in the sense like five years to 10 years kind of outlook. Second, find yourself a support system, and join our community. The reason I say that is because otherwise you're just going to be reinventing the wheel. What mic should I buy? Where do I get music from? What do I do this? Which software do I use? Where do I host? Where do I distribute? What are the CPM rates? How much do I need to pay if I'm getting a sponsor? These are all solved problems. So don't try to reinvent the wheel. Whatever you know, ask And find answers from people who have already done it. And being part of a community obviously helps you speed up and accelerate that process. The last thing is to make sure that you spend a lot of time thinking about your target listener. And you understand that it is not about you. It is not about your guest. It is always about your listener. Why should they give a damn about the content that you're creating? in an ocean of content. Right. If you're able to answer this question in one or two lines, then you're sorted.
0: Good. All the three points, I'm sure some of the things that people need to keep in mind because in order to ensure that uh, they don't feel demotivated down the line, maybe in about two to three months, uh, you know, all of these three things are something that will set the foundation. And uh, I'm sure somebody who goes through these three things Will be in there for the long term. Yep. And yep. Uh, uh, and and while you spoke about community, you know, one another thing that I just wanted to uh, you know mention there is that community is equal to discoverability. And I've seen that you know the more you are part of a community, the more discoverability you have, and the more chances that your audience or uh, your audience will find your show, and your show will get the kind of audience that uh, you're looking for.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more.
0: So one last piece uh, aside from the podcasting piece O2Pod Collective. So now if I include that you're doing three things. One is your full time job your podcasting and then O2Pod Collective. So a little about what O2Pod Collective is and uh, you know what what do you uh, see from a, a, a long term perspective. What do you think uh, you're planning to do with O2Pod Collective and what are the things that you've done in the maybe last uh, one one or two years, uh, you know, with O2Pod Collective?
2: So O2Pod Collective is a podcast awareness and advocacy outfit that uh, I've co-founded with uh, you know Sef from the Software Stories, and now we have uh, uh, Shiv from uh, Software PR, Software People Stories who is a part of O2Pod Collective as well. The intent of starting and uh, doing what we do with O2Pod is that. We want to get more people to talk about podcasting, we want more people to get into the podcasting world. But most importantly, we want to be a medium through which the podcasting community in India engages. So over the last couple of years, we've organized a couple of India's largest meetups around podcasting. And this year, we've taken all of those meetups online. A couple of weeks back, we organized the International Podcast Day Virtual Summit, which was uh, sponsored by Hindenburg, which is one of the world's leading audio editing softwares. And okay. so what what we're trying to do is that we're trying to make sure that the Indian podcasting community continues to stay engaged through the pandemic and beyond. And we're trying to get the best people of the business to come and share their insights, their inputs, to make sure that we are able to continuously add value to the community. So that's that's what we want to do with otopod collective and moving forward you can expect like a, a monthly open tables where people can come and join and interact with each other over like a virtual networking lounge and you can expect like quarterly uh, meetups and you know more formal events that are going to come in the mm-hmm. coming quarters
0: okay nice interesting and you know uh, i should thank otopod collective for uh you know most of the podcasting uh, as in podcast friends that i have today and uh people like you uh you know Vishnu and Shankar uh, Saif uh as in Shiv Shivguru and a lot of the other people that i know today are all because of uh you know your efforts with O2Pod collective and anybody who is uh planning to get into podcasting i i would recommend that they be a part of a community like O2Pod collective because that's going to help a lot in terms of uh, you know, uh, finding people that you can learn from and uh, you can d- m- know more about podcasting. So, you know, it's it's a very nice medium, and uh, you know, I'm I'm very thankful to you guys for organizing that, and uh, you know, to you uh, for the kind of different things that you're doing.
2: Thanks, thanks, Dilip. Uh, we are doing this for uh, for the community, so it's it's good to know that uh, you're finding it uh, valuable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So it was nice talking to you Naga and there were a lot of insights that uh you know I got and something that I found very interesting in this conversation was that was the way as in was that two things that you spoke about when you're screening uh, your guests and you know that those two things are what makes the show invaluable and that what makes the show something that is focused on the audience ensuring that you're giving quality to your audience so those are some two big takeaways that i have and i'm sure the audience will also have uh, got a a very a few very interesting information tips advice from whatever we uh, spoke about in this conversation it was a very nice conversation thanks a lot for coming on the show Uh, you know absolutely enjoyed the conversation and uh, i'm hoping that we'll once again talk Maybe in a few, uh, you know, in a couple of years from now when the podcasting industry has matured and we have a lot more to talk about podcasting. Absolutely.
2: I'll uh, look forward to that, Dilip. And uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on the show.
0: Thanks once again. You have a good uh, rest of the day and you take care.
2: Thank you, you too.
0: Bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Naga. If you did, then don't forget to subscribe to the show to stay updated. Do visit the podcastinguniversity.com for the show notes and the resources mentioned in this episode. This Hubhopper original is available on other podcasting platforms like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, etc. in addition to Hubhopper. Don't forget to tune in again for our next episode where we bring in some very interesting podcasters as guests on the show. And from whose experience you can learn how to start a podcast of your own. So that's it for this week. I'll be back again with another interesting conversation with another interesting guest in a couple of weeks from now. Until then, this is goodbye from Dilip. You all have a wonderful rest of the week.
1: इस हब हब original ओरिजिनल को सुनने के लिए आपका शुक्रिया अगर आप भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करना चाहते हैं तो हब हब स्टूडियो वेबसाइट पे रजिस्टर करें और 1 मिनट के अंदर-अंदर अपना खुद का पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करें यही नहीं स्टूडियो देता है आपको पूरी आजादी कहीं भी कभी भी अपना पॉडकास्ट करने की 3 आसान स्टेप्स में तो साथ में अपना